The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. my all. You're the best. You're my righteousness. Hey, I got a song this week. Be, be happy. I've been studying. It's all good. Well, I invite your attention to Jude, the book, uh, last, second to last book, rather, of the New Testament, Jude, a uh, small book of one chapter, verses 24 and 25. Uh, as you're turning there, just a couple notes. I uh, also want to thank a couple people. I'm sure there are other hands in here, but Dolores Castilleja and Verlene uh, Asensio, thank you for making the robes that we wore this morning. Uh, in December, uh, when we went to baptize, there were robes. We went to baptize in January, and they, I don't know where they went. So if you have a baptismal robe that we need, please bring it back. Uh, that would be great. But thank you, ladies, for making us new ones, and uh, we appreciate that very much. And on behalf of our family, uh, many of you uh, gave to a love offering for us to help us with our soot damage. Uh, can I just say thank you for that? I don't know like, where my wife is. I'm sure she's floating around here somewhere at the back or wherever, but she's right there. Uh, but I, I don't know if words can express how grateful we are. Thank you. Uh, we did not deserve any of that, but it will go uh, to help us restore our house after, uh, after a mistake. Uh, and so thank you. Um, and it's hard to believe. It's been one year ago that we started here, not officially, but we were voted in a year ago today on this Sunday. Uh, time has brought us, and that's... I, I share that not for applause. I share that just to say how quickly time goes, doesn't it? And how much uh, I hope that we have gotten to know you and want to get to know you. We are excited to be here, guys. We're excited Matt's here, Rachel. We're excited Blake and his family. We are just privileged to be here. And Betty Dewey, I see you in the corner of my eye. We are privileged to know you because you give me the hardest time and we laugh the most together out of anyone here, I think. So I give her a hard time. But we love you guys so much. Thank you for the privilege and opportunity to be here. We really mean that. Well, I'm not a big potato chip fan. I don't know if you are any potato chip fans. Uh, I was sad when I went to Jewel and Liberty when they closed down the Guy's Potato Chip Factory. That was my favorite brand. Uh, but one thing you know about potato chips, you know that the bag is 70% air. Now, many of you, that may be a shock, but uh, go to the grocery store today and buy a bag and measure it out. But uh, it's really about a fourth of chips and about three-fourths of air and the potato chip companies call it a bag, they say it's a bag, and they advertise it as a bag. But if you pay for the bag, you obviously get less than you bargained for, right? That's right. I hope you agree with that. And no matter what kind of chips you buy, whether it's kids' chips or, or uh, whatever it is, it's always full of air. Always full of air. You pay for air. It's kind of like that first click of a gas pump. They say the weights and measures are right, but you know that first 25 cents is all air. You know that, right? It's very true. But, you know, we have, as we've been studying through this, I was thinking about potato chips this week. I was hungry at lunch. We have too many potato chip Christians, if you will, if I can be that silly analogy. There are too many who are half saved. They're full of air. They think they know Jesus, but they don't, and are, who are half worldly. You open them up, and there's nothing there. They're full of air. There's something missing. And today, what I want to study is something that's not full of air. It's actually something that's full of power, the power of God. As we study who God is, and I want to look specifically at the power of God in our eternal security, our eternal security. 
What I mean by that is simply that this is probably the most precious truth as a Christian you could know in knowing this God outside of salvation or all that together is knowing that when you are Christ, you're not full of hot air. You're not full of three-fourths of air and one-fourth of Jesus. If you know Christ, you are 100% Christ, even with your sinful nature, because he has saved you. Charles Spurgeon, that great old pastor of the old times, said, if there is one teaching I have preached more than any other, and my ears perk up when Charles Spurgeon says this, it is the doctrine of eternal security that God will save those who are his even till the end. John 10 says it this way. Uh, You'll notice, uh, you've probably heard these verses before, but Jesus said it this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and never shall they perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. For my father who gave them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my hand. What a great truth. I believe that the doctrine of eternal security is a necessary concept to understand who God is as we've been studying this, his gospel, and also the truth of what the Bible says about eternal life. Because friends, you don't want to be a potato chip Christian hoping that your three-fourths heir is going to save you someday. You either know Christ or you don't. Because here's the bottom line. If I can lose salvation, it's not eternal. If I can lose it, it's not everlasting. If I can earn it, it's something that I made that can be taken away. And if I can lose it, my salvation is based on me and not on what God did on that cross 2,000 years ago when Christ died and was resurrected for my comfort to know that he is Savior, my forgiveness. And if I can lose it, my confidence, my comfort, my everything goes out the window like that potato chip bag that you buy that's three-fourths empty of air. Are you hungry yet? Some of you are. Friends, do you trust the power of God who is able to save you this morning? Christian, are you doubting that you know this Christ because you have sin in your life? And Christian, do you know for sure that you know for sure that God is able to save you? The big idea is simply this from the passage today. God's care for you is secure because it doesn't depend on your faithfulness, but on his. Now, I'm not going to chime or beat that drum too much today. That's the direction we're going. Blake, and I'm excited to hear this. Blake is going to be preaching next Sunday. Uh, I told you he's a mountain of a man. I barely fill the pulpit. His muscles are going to fill the stage. Let's just say that. And he'll be preaching on the faithfulness of God. But what I want to get across to you is this. If you are in Christ, you are secure in Christ forever. If you are in Christ, there's no need to worry about tomorrow because you are more secure today, more secure than you will ever be because Christ is the one who saved you. He died for your salvation. The last several weeks, we've been looking at a couple things. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we looked at the unchanging God, this God who is forever the same. We can trust him through whatever is in front of us. Last week, we looked at the glory of God from Exodus, and this week, we want to look at the power of God in eternal security. What does God's power, that he has all power, how does this relate to you in knowing that you know Jesus Christ? Well, I want to look at just two verses today, but there are four reasons, at least four reasons, that I came up with here from the scripture that we can know that God is the one who holds us securely. We're going to look at first the power of God in verse 24. Uh, The last three and four should say verses 25, but number two, the pledge of God, the promise of God, we'll look at how he holds you. And verses three, or number three and number four, the person of God and the prizing of God should be verse 25. But friends, if this is not true, if it's not true that God is faithfully saving you every day securely in him, 
then give up now because you will never be able to hold the salvation that you have supposedly today. That's how deep it gets. This is why people will walk a Baptist aisle or whatever aisle hundreds of times sometimes, literally. I've met people who said this. Every time there's a revival, they walk the aisle and get saved again. They walk the aisle to think that if I just do this again, maybe I'll get some Jesus juice in me and that'll be enough. Friends, I am here to tell you, if you are a Christian, you are saved once for all in Christ, not because of you, but because of Christ. And that is the truth. And Jude says that he's able to keep us from falling. And what an amazing promise that is. It is something like the spiritual cloth that can never be rent. It can never be torn. It can never be separated because you are in Christ. These beautiful verses from Jude. If you're able this morning, we do this at our church, uh, just in honor of God's word. If you're able to stand this morning, will you join me in standing and reading Jude 24 and 25. Chapter 1, verse 24 and 25. Jude is one of my favorite books. Uh, it's just a, just a solid book, as obviously all the Bible is, but it's just one that God leads me back to often. If you're an underliner, you should underline both of these verses and, and take them home with you. It's good. He says, Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling or falling and to present you blameless or faultless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forevermore. And the Bible says, and you say, amen. Amen. Let's pray as we start off today. Father, what a joy it is to hear testimonies of mission trips with John and baptism testimonies and to baptize. Father, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper. It's a jam-packed Sunday, Lord, from an organizational standpoint. But what an encouraging, exciting, challenging Sunday it is. Father, as we look at these passages this morning, may you be glorified. Father, I pray for any Christian here today who truly may know you, but is just trying to fight that doubt. Do I know Christ? Do I not? Father, I pray for those maybe potato chip Christians who have a little bit of Jesus to be satisfied, but really internally it's all air. Father, I pray that you would show them their need for Christ first and foremost. And Father, that is our greatest need in this hour is that your spirit would show us your son, high and lifted up, exalted, risen from the dead, ever Lord, evermore. Father, thank you so much. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. Thank you. Looking at this power of God and eternal security that God holds those who are his own. Friends, you, it ultimately starts with that. Everything we do at this church either starts with mankind or starts with God. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? I mean, you're at a church, right? Wouldn't you do things that God would want you to do? I pray that we do, but especially when it comes to what we're going to talk about today. How do you know that you know that you know that you know you know Jesus? It starts with God. You are either, use the big words, you're either theocentric or you're, you're, you're man-centered. You're either for God on this or you're not. That's why the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. He starts it, he carries it, and he ends it. If you want to flip back to Jude 1, uh, there at the very opening, Jude says this. He says, um, he goes back, he says, we are Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. That word kept is used numerous times throughout this little letter. And God not only keeps those who are his unto salvation, but he also keeps those who reject him unto uh, eternal damnation on that side. And what it means is simply this. Jude says, look, if you know this God, you are not the one who saved yourself, 
You're not the one who holds your salvation. It is all God or it's nothing. And that's why it starts with the power of God there in verse 24. First sub point I want you to see is that God will sustain us. God will sustain us. Look back at verse 24. Now to him who's able to keep you, able to keep you. It's not just to keep you from stumbling, it's to keep you eternally as well. Keep has the idea of a guard. It's, uh, it's like guards around, uh, you know, um, not naming any names, but certain political people have had big blow-ups at rallies in the last couple of days, and you see the secret service around them. People grab, and they're on them just like that. That's kind of the same idea here. It's we are able, at this point, to trust that God is able to preserve us. He's able to guard us. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that you don't just lose your salvation because you stepped out of line one time? And yes, there is a reverse to that. It's not a license to sin. But if you look at verse 21 and go back even just a few verses, it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Wait, pastor, didn't you say God keeps us in the love of God? And he secures us? Yes, he does. But we are to keep ourselves in the love of God. We are to run after him. We're to pray to him. We're to worship him. We're to keep that relationship intimate but ultimately, it's God and his power that are, keeps us from stumbling or falling. God will sustain us. God will sustain us. This word can also be used, this word keep, for a sure-footed, uh, sure-footed horse who doesn't stumble or a good man who does not lapse morally. A good man. You know, we used to say the good old boys. Do you grow up with any good old boys in wherever you came up with? You know, we used to say the good old boys, and then they'd be like in and out of jail. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about someone who is sure-footed and who is able to keep that line straight. God watches over us by his power and keeps us from falling into error, and especially in Jude, the error of false teachers. Friends, this is why we believe that if you know Christ, if you truly know Christ, there may be a season of your life, however short, however long, that you get into some bad teaching, but if you are truly Christ, eventually God will pull you out of that. Christians will come to you. The Spirit will convict you. It will happen. It will happen that way. You know, eternal security, God's power in this, is not like that conditional warranty you get at the uh, store. Uh, my wife and I have been uh, saving lots of things. We've been sa- we didn't have a microwave. We got a microwave the other day. We got it installed. And uh, we tried to open the door on uh, Friday night, and you just hear the hinge creak. <coughs> It just got installed. It just came out of the box. I mean, come on. Something is wrong here. You call, you call the company, and they say, yeah, that'll be a $100 charge plus labor and parts. And, and if it's not covered by the warranty, it'll be even more than that. And my wife just looks at me and says, Darren, you need to learn Home Depot. That's what you need to learn. You need to learn some skills. Uh, but most of all, we need to watch our warranties. Thankfully, it works. But friends, if you know Christ, you don't have a conditional eternal security that kind of sounds like a two-year warranty. That's not what God gives you. God doesn't say, I'm going to cover you for five years, and well, if you sin after that, sorry, you're out of here, you're, you're done. Aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that you don't bring anything to the table, but God, by his grace, creates everything to the table. So God sustains us. He also secures us. That's the second subpoint. You see that word you there in verse 24? Now to him who's able to keep you. Now that's a plural, that's the, I've shared this before, that's y'all, if you're from the south, or you all, or you-ins if you're from southwest Missouri, wherever you get it. But the promise here is, he holds you not only as an individual, but he holds your eternal security for every child of God, everywhere, in every time. This is why we can trust, you know, that question comes up, 
Pastor, what happened to those people before Christ? Like, you know, Jeremiah, David, Adam, Solomon. Did they know Christ? Are they in heaven? Friends, they looked forward with kind of jaded visions or jaded uh, information to Christ, but they still trusted the same Christ. We look back with full revelation of what God has done. The people in the Old Testament were saved the same way we are saved today, by faith alone and Christ alone, by repenting and believing the gospel. So the same God who secured those people back then is the same God who will secure you forever and ever and ever. And friends, that's a great thing because that means that we have loved ones who have passed away who knew Christ. God just doesn't throw them out with the bathwater. He says, look, if you know Christ, you are with me forever. You are with me forever. And that's the second sub-point here, just very quickly. This you means, in the context of the church, that the eternal security of Jesus' love enables you to need less and love more. That's why in this church we believe that if you know this Christ, that that should mean your life is poured out for the service of others. That may look different for different people, but deep in our hearts we know that the typical places we look for security offer little hope. True security is only found vertically as you go through the one way, Jesus Christ. And security is not so much about being confident in your abilities. It is being blown away by the grace and glory of God that he saved you despite being a sinner here today. What an amazing truth that is. An amazing truth. You know, here's another thing I'm not good at, but a car analogy for you. I always look at Jeff Simmons on this because Jeff probably goes home and says, man, I got to take this guy to shop class or something. But you know, when you have a car battery that goes dead, you know a powerless battery can't take you anywhere. I hope you know that. If you don't know that, we can have that lesson afterwards. But if you put up the hood of your car and pull it up to another one, you need jumper cables. And you get another battery that's working and it's alive. You get that hood close to yours, and what do you do? You plug them in, right? You take the cables and you connect the batteries positive with your positive and the negative with the metal part of the engine. Uh, Jeff, we'll have a class afterwards. I see a lot of blank stairs up here, so I'm just letting you know. And there's a transfer of power, isn't there, from one life to the next. The living battery sends its life and power through the cables to the dead battery. Then you turn the ignition, and there's been a transfer of what? Transfer of power via the cable, right? All of a sudden, your dead car hopefully comes alive. And all of a sudden, your dead motor turns over. And all of a sudden, your dead car can move forward. Isn't that a great thing when your battery dies? Was it because the power, it had its power on its own? Well, no, of course not. It was borrowed power from another. It took the power from the living battery to make it work. Friends, that is an exact analogy to almost exact analogy. of What Christ has done for you, he sustains you. He secures you. When you had no life, he took your life and turned it from this dead thing into an alive thing. You are now alive in Jesus Christ because of his power. And he not only does it in that moment, he holds it for all eternity. And whether we understand it or not, God's plan will move forward. What we need are lives centered on him. And let me just tell you this. I don't care if it's a donkey or a lamb that you're voting for this year, but I can tell you, or a donkey or a lamb, donkey or an elephant, right? <laughs> don't, yeah, that's good. But I want you to know that the lamb of God, who is not represented by either one of those two, will carry you through, amen? And that is the truth. He secures us by his power. Let's go on to the second point here. 
we see first that here he says he'll keep you in the love, he'll sustain you, he'll secure you, and then he goes on to say there's a pledge of God or a promise. You could say either one, pledge or promise of God. It's a reminder that my security is not grounded in my power, but God's power. My eternal security is not grounded in my promises to God, but in his promise to me in Christ. And that's why it says in verse 24, the next part, it says he will keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Well, kept, kept where? Where are you kept and kept from what? Well, that's what this point will hopefully answer. Where are you kept? Well, first off, you're going to be, you'll, you'll spot his glory. You'll spot his glory. That's the first subpoint. He says he's going to present you faultless, blameless. You know, oftentimes we look at the Bible and we see words like perfect or, you know, he was a blameless man. And we look at that and we say, well, I can never be like that biblical character because he was blameless. And man, I, I messed up even driving to work today. I got mad at that person in front of me. What am I supposed to do? Friends, I'm grateful that God keeps us despite us. Because he keeps us from stumbling, he will present us ultimately on that final day, faultless, faultless. Faultless means unblemished, means irreproachable. Irrepro- Same ideas in 1 Peter 1.19 where it says, uh, Jesus about Jesus, the lamb without blemish. In the same way, God the Father looked until his sinless son uh, had taken all his wrath that we sang about, all the ill will, all the sin as our sacrifice, so too in Christ he will present us before him, before the Father, Christ will, sinless, faultless, and clothed in Christ's righteousness. Wow. Wow. How will he do that? Where will he do that? Friends, he tells us, before the presence of his glory. If you remember last week's lesson, I know it's all over the place at points, but last week we looked at the glory of God. We don't have that glory, but God does. Friends, that's why the first application point here is we can boldly confess because Christ, with Christ, we are utterly secure. Leon, you and I were talking about this earlier about sharing the gospel. And, you know, Leon and I were sharing, talking about, you know, sharing the gospel. I, I told Leon, I said, even as pastor, as I go up and knock on a door or hand out a track or even talk to people about Jesus, I still get nervous. And I'm grateful for that because even Paul said he got nervous when he shared the gospel. You know, sometimes you talk to someone about Jesus and it's like you just, uh, some of you remember the mile you had to run in high school and, or the weightlifting and the sweats and the exams you had to take, whatever the worst moment is for you. That's kind of how even as pastor I feel when sharing the gospel. Maybe that's bad, I don't know. But I, 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 maybe you don't feel that way, but it's hard. But friends, a reminder today, if you want to share the gospel with someone, you are secure in Christ. You will spot his glory. You have all the power of heaven beneath you. Boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. Boldly proclaim Jesus Christ. Can you believe it? Someday this world will pass away. We will see his glory. We will know his glory. We will enjoy his glory. That's the amazing thing. So tell people about it. Even if you're scared, share. You never know what God will use in that conversation. That's the promise of God. We will see his glory someday because of what Christ has done for us. But notice the last part of verse two or 24 there. He says, we will share his joy. Notice that we will be presented faultless before God's presence on that great day with great joy. You know, there's a great verse. Many of you know this verse that the angels rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance. There's a party in heaven if you want to say that. There's the forget Times Square on New Year's Eve. That has nothing compared to what one sinner comes to heaven 
And, and God rejoices over that as we should rejoice every time, every time. You know, some of you may struggle with this because you say, you know, Darren, I, I was just a normal kid. I grew up in church and I don't have a crazy testimony like this guy who went to jail and went through this and went through that and did all these things. Friend, can I tell you whether you grew up and you had faithful parents who never will make the front page news or you made the front page news for the wrong reasons and came to Christ, that it is still the power of God and the promise of God that will secure you for all eternity. That is what we can share the joy of. There will be a celebration on that day, a great party that will never end. I am not a partier, never was I a partier, but we go to bed at 9 o'clock because we're tired, okay? Even with daylight savings time, my wife got home from work yesterday, and I had watched two kids, and I don't know how she does it every day, but, man, I was tired. By 8.30, I was listening to something on YouTube, passing in and out, and, and we ate food, and I went to bed. And, you know, but, guys, on that day, we will never tire of knowing Jesus Christ. There will be great joy because he's promised us that this will happen for eternity. That old hymn, here you go. Here's an old hymn for you, Miss Meg. Faultless to stand before the throne, dressed in his righteousness alone. What song is that, guys? I don't even know offhand, but I remember it in my head. So you figure it out and let me know, okay? Thank you. But you know, the application point here is simple. Signing up for Team Jesus won't make your life easier. It'll make it joyful. It'll make it secure. It'll make it eternal. But friends, if we can beat that drum every week, it won't make it easier. Christ is with you. And even when we fall, we remain eternally secure in him. And, you know, Noah fell many times in the ark, but he never once was thrown out of the ark. Think about that for a second. God will keep you even despite your sin. What an amazing thing. You couldn't do it. Jesus did it. You deserved it. Jesus bore it. You couldn't secure it. Jesus sealed it. It's all by grace because of who he is. Now, I'm not a horse rider, but I love the story. My wife loves horses. She grew up in Oklahoma. The Owens, I don't know where you guys are at if you're here today, Brian and family, they have a horse. But a man who's a very religious man was trying to teach his horse to obey one day with some commands. And being a religious man, he wanted to use religious phrases. So to tell the horse to go, he said this phrase. He said, praise the Lord. You got that down, right? For him to stop, he said, hallelujah. Well, one day, the, the, he was riding along with the horse, and he didn't have the blinders on. The horse got spooked, and he lost control of the horse. The horse was jets off, and he lives in the southwest in Arizona in the hill country, and he was trying to think of every religious word he could say. So he said, amen, Jesus saves, worthy, holy is the lamb, come to Jesus, and the horse just kept trucking along. Nothing worked. He forgot the words because he was such a panic, and just as the horse got to the edge of the cliff, the man shouted, hallelujah. And what happened? The horse stopped. And what anyone would do, he wiped his brow and he said, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And the horse went, I'll let you, th I'll let you think about that one for a few minutes. You know what? As we know the promise of God, guys, praising the Lord is not some kind of casual, meaningless activity. It's serious, isn't it? It's a serious thing. We can praise the Lord today, church, because we have a God who has promised to keep you, present you faultless with great joy before him on that great day. That is the power of God unto salvation in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the third point. So we see the power of God, the pledge of God, and now the person of God. The person of God. What, what does that mean, the person of God? That means who God is. That's what we've been studying the last several weeks. Uh, it's an intimate, personal, and biblical understanding of who God is will aid our assurance and confirm our confidence in him. 
And note what Jude says here in verse 25. Look at at that verse with me. He says, first off, to the only God. To the only God. That's our first sub-point. He is our sovereign. God is our sovereign Lord. We spoke about that. We talked about that. He is the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, 1 Timothy 1 says. And Jude is quick and concise here. He says, he's the only God, the only Lord, the only sovereign, to whom and with whom we must give an account. All will stand before him. None will escape. Everyone will give an account for their life before him. And that's the thing. If you're here today, we are so grateful. I know I have a lot of family visiting or a lot of visitors. We're just so grateful you're here. If you have any questions about what it means to know Jesus Christ, talk to us. We want to help you with that. We are not in the uh, persuasion business. That's God's job. Because if we can talk you into it, someone can talk you out of it, right? But if God talks you into it, no one's going to talk God out of it. And that is the truth. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, talk to us. See uh, one of our deacons back, uh, uh, Don and his wife, Shirley, afterwards. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to know Jesus. But for people who say they know Jesus and like to put lots of rules on people that are not in the Bible, it's called legalism. And friends, if you know this sovereign God, the, the sub-point to this is this. Legalists don't like this idea of eternal security because it puts them out of business. It really does. It puts them out of business. Why? Because people who like to bring religious laws and throw them on top of the Bible like to have people do that because that makes them feel more secure about what they're doing. And supposedly through doing all these extra biblical things, plus Jesus, somehow you get to salvation. Friends, I'm here to tell you that that is nonsense. Nonsense. If anyone ever tells you Jesus is not enough, or, you know, Jesus died for 98.9% of your sins, you have to make up that 1.1% run away from them. It is Christ or nothing. It's Christ or nothing. And what Paul is telling them here is, if you know this God, you know that's who he is. He's nothing different than that. He's never been anything different than that. He's always been that linear thing. It's not your love for God that is your hope and security, Christian, but it is eternal, unshakable love for you. And that is the love that you have if you know Christ. So he says he's the sovereign one. He's the one who's in control. He also goes on in verse 25 and says he's the Savior. Look, look at uh, the next phrase there. Through Jesus, through our only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Uh, the New King James here says our Savior. Uh, the NIV and ESV say our Savior through the Lord Jesus Christ. The point is simple. Our God is a saving God. Our God is saving the Father. He's a saving Son. He's a saving Spirit. The Father saves us. The Son secures us. And the Spirit seals us. That three-in-one God. And uh, God did not save me to lose me. I want you to know that. He saved me to keep me. He saved me to make Him His own. That's just the kind of God He is. Use the analogy before, but it's worth repeating. You know, you have people in your life who will use you for personal gain. Many of you are experiencing that now. You have people in your life who make you feel good one minute, but behind the scenes, they're kind of contriving and planning something. You may not see it fully, but you get a sense, your radar's up a little bit. God doesn't do that. God doesn't use you to use you. God saves you to save you for his own love and his own glory. What a gracious thing that is. You know, the gods of the other worlds uh, that are not gods of this world they're not even real. They're just wooden idols, if they will. They often use the people that worship them for their own ends. But our God will use you, but he doesn't need you. We found out in the second week. He's completely separate, but yet he still saves you. 
What an amazing, amazing God he is. That's why with the Olympics coming up, you know, one of the most frustrating things about the Olympics, especially when it's on tape delay. Do you guys know what I mean by that? The tape delay, uh, you know, in the smartphone age, we can look on about any app and find out what happened. But I like the Olympics, so don't tell me here in August or whenever it is, don't tell me what happens. It's five hours ahead or close to it. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I want to see it happen on tape. But even if I know the outcome, and I know the outcome of what's going to happen, eternal security is like an Olympic tape delay. You know your team's going to falter, but somehow they're going to pull it out, you know? And guys, that's sometimes how it looks like from our perspective if you're a Christian. It looks like that you are just going to mess up and all this stuff, you're struggling through it, but the graciousness is, is that at the end of the program, at the end of your life, the character of God tells us, the person of God tells us that we will be secure in Christ. Secure in Christ. Let's go to the last point. The power of God secures us. The promise or pledge of God secures us. And the person of God, verse 25, secures us. And, and you could say this last one a couple ways. I said prizing because I think of the prize, but it could also be the praise. He brings us to the close with four big words here, Jude does. Look back at verse 25. He says, The glory, the majesty, the dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Before all time. Friends, we can praise God forever for four reasons here. He gives it. It's right out of the text. We can prize him forever. First, because his glory is forever. His glory is forever. Glory is not what God has. It is what God is. It is rightly ascribed to who he is and what he has done. The glory of God is the outshining of his character and his nature. And it, the glory of God is something only God has. Glory of God is like the light is to the sun, or you could say the blue is to the sky, or wet is to water. You don't make the sun light up, do you? It just lights up, right? You don't make the sky blue. It is blue. You don't make water wet. We found that out today. Thank the Lord for waiters, Matt. Amen. Uh, amen, that's right. But water is wet as it is. Likewise, you don't make God glorious. God is already glorious. But we have to give God the glory and acknowledge that he is the one that's the source of all things. How do you know that you're secure in Christ? You know you're secure in Christ because your heart doesn't say, look what I did here. I saved myself from my sins. You say, no, I had nothing to do with that. I I don't even want any stench of that man-centered stuff. I want only what the cross and the gospel has given me, and that is what it is. You see the difference there. I, 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 there's a youth, that I won't say her name, this is online. Back when she was in sixth grade, this was before Natalie and I got married. Actually, I think we were uh, dating at this point. But there was a youth who wanted to try anything. She was a sixth grader in one of our big sixth grade classes at Sycamore. And I took a glass of water one day to her. Little did she know that came out of the youth house toilet. And I told her, I said, so-and-so, I need a volunteer. And she's always the first one up. Me, 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 me. Okay, come on down. And I told her, do you trust me that I gave you the right water? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, do you want to take a sip? She said, yeah, don't, yeah, don't trust the, the youth faster when they're doing an example. That's the first mistake. That's right. And she took a sip, and I said, you know what? That water came out of the toilet in the bathroom. She said, What? And I said, yes, but what if I took one little drop and that was the perfect water, would you still drink it? She said, yes, I would. I said, why? Because all that water has now been purified by one little drop, just like that. 
And you know what? She rinsed out her mouth right after that because I didn't have the perfect water there. And it was safe water. I cleaned the toilet floor. It's all good. But the point of it was is that she could give no glory to herself because she thought she knew what was going on, right? But eventually the tables were turned. Friend, if you're trusting yourself today to take you to heaven, you are no better in that example than drinking a glass you think is right and it looks like water. It tastes sort of like water. But you need some extra help along the way. You not just need help. You need to throw yourself on Jesus Christ. He's the only one. That's why we give him glory forever. But also we're to prize him for his majesty forever. His majesty. His majesty. This is the Lord's greatness. His awesome transcendence. It's, it's, it's who he is. Guys, don't let your God be this big. Let him be as Don't put him in a box. God has certain attributes. Don't say things he doesn't say about himself, but certainly see him as he is. But no, he's so much bigger than your problems. He's so much bigger than your circumstances. He's so much bigger than whatever our church or culture or our country could face. He is the Lord and he is forever Lord. He is the glorious one. He is the majestic one. He goes on. He says, praise him for his dominion there. He says, Dominion, it speaks of his control, his sovereignty over all creation. God is not limited by time or space. The past is his, your present is his, and your future is his. That's why you're secure in Christ, friend. That's why you're secure in Christ. And lastly, I'm kind of going through these quickly here, but lastly, he says his authority is forever. His authority. Power and authority are his. He's got the whole world. In his hands. How many? Come on. He's got the whole, come on, guys. He's got the whole world. Some of you are looking at me like, you need to go back to the nursery. You need to sing the song, okay? How true this is. He's got the whole world in his hands. Meg, there's another song I knew just for you. Friends, the world is not running willy-nilly out of control. The world is in a, not in a course with no direction. No one is not at the helm. God is at the helm. He is directing it towards his sovereign purpose. You can trust him. And he is the one who will hold you securely. Look, human extinction is not a possibility because he has all things in his hands. Evangelistic defect is not an impossibility, is not a possibility because he has all things in his hands. That's why John can go to a, a hardened African area where the gospel is not really high and lifted up, but can trust that God is sovereign and use that conversation, those microchips to God's glory. That's why losing your salvation, friend, is not a possibility. Because he has all things, including you, in his hands. He's got the whole world, including you, and your salvation in his hands. Amen? Never forget, guys, in the end, God wins. It's not the donkey. It's not the elephant. It's not whatever else is out there. It's not your favorite sports team. It is Jesus Christ and him high and lifted up. That's why, if you're a Christian, you can know you are secure in him. He is glorious and majestic. For his glory, he keeps me. In his majesty, he will keep me. Through his authority, he will keep me. And by his power, he will keep me. What a great God he is. What a great, great God he is. Amy, I'm going to have you skip the uh, next uh, photo. I just want to go to end with this. Uh, go ahead and go to the slide, Why Doubt His Security, if you will. You know, a lot of you here today may be struggling with this. You say, Pastor, it's great. I believe all these things. But why do I still doubt my security? If I'm in Christ, I've truly repented, I've truly believed, why do I still doubt? Let me give you at least five easy things you can use to, to maybe know why, possibly why. This should hit every part of who you are. Friends, you may be doubting your salvation here today because you have trusted in a person 
rather than Jesus Christ or God as the one saving you. That's the first application point there. Misunderstanding of the fact that it is God who does the saving, not us. I just want you to remember that if you know Christ, you did not bring anything to the table. It is all Him. And you may misunderstand His power in saving you because you may have trusted a decision you made one time. Friends, a decision for Jesus doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. Writing, you know, I did this as a kid, writing the time, date, and everything in your Bible is good about when you got saved, but that doesn't save you. Christ does. Nothing more. Second thing here, and we don't see this a lot at this church. Praise the Lord for this, but many churches struggle with this. Many people doubt God saving and holding them because they were given man-focused methods of assurance at the time of salvation. If you do these things, you will know Christ. If you speak this certain language, you will know Christ. And the list could go on. Look, God can give certain spiritual gifts. Let's be clear about that. But those things don't save you. Christ does. The evidence that you are a Christian today is that you've walked the path of Jesus Christ by His Spirit. Not perfectly, not, uh, not at all times uh, feeling securely, but it is Christ who puts you on that path. And He keeps you there and shows you the way. You may doubt your security thirdly today because you doubt God's faithfulness to his word. You may never say it. You may never come up and say, Pastor, I don't believe this Bible, but at times because of life experience, you may say, you know, Pastor, I don't know if I can trust this word anymore. It hasn't come true for me. Maybe you've heard someone say, I tried that Jesus thing once and it never worked for me. Has anyone ever heard that before? I tried Christianity once, but it never worked for me. Friends, if you are here today and you have tried Jesus, whatever that means for you, you may have had the wrong Jesus. If you know the Jesus of the Bible, there will be hard times, but by golly, by cracky, he will keep you and he will save you. He will bring you through the hard times, the easy times, the middle times, because it's all by his grace. Trust him, he is faithful. And I'm, Blake, if I can say it again, I'm looking forward, sir, to hearing your sermon next week on this. God is faithful when we are faithless, because he cannot deny himself, the Bible says. Maybe you doubt your security fourthly, and I'll put these up to last two, because you lack a proper teaching of the Christian life. You think it's a little bit of you and most of Jesus, and and friends, it is all Christ. And yes, you are to pray, you are to serve, you are to do all those things, but maybe you doubt because you've never been taught what the Christian life is. May our pulpit, may our teachers do that to his glory. Maybe the presence of sin in your life makes you doubt your salvation. Let me be very, very clear here. Knowing that you are saved by grace for all eternity does not give you a license to sin and go out and do whatever you want. It doesn't mean, man, I'm saved, I've got my Jesus shot, I can go run amok because I know Jesus. That's not what these verses are telling us. It does mean, though, that if you are a Christian, you will at times struggle mightily with the presence of sin in your life. And if you know Christ, you will be pulled through those times. If you don't know Christ, that is a testimony, a witness that you need to know Christ. Just because you doubt sometimes your salvation because you have sin does not mean you aren't saved. It's actually a positive because it shows that there is life in there and that God by his spirit is working that to show you that it is all through him that you are forgiven. That is what it is. How do you settle this doubt? Let's close with five questions. I'm just going to say them and we'll close. How do you settle this doubt? Do you believe the gospel and trust Christ? That's where it starts, knowing Christ. Do you experience a remorse over your sin? Do you get torn up inside? I mean, like literally torn up 
inside over your sin and have a desire to please God? Do you see the evidence of fruit in your life? Not that a banana is hanging off your earlobe. That would be odd. That's something in a Dr. Seuss book. Uh, That's not what it is. Do you have evidence that you know Christ? Do you desire him? Do you want to know him? Do you want to share him? Is there positives in your life that say, I am his? Romans 8 says, does the Holy Spirit witness to your spirit that you are a child of God? Friends, not just a burning sensation within you, not just heartburn that our Mormon friends say is a a work of the Spirit, but literally at the end of the day, do you know that you know that you know, convinced that he's faithful, that he saved you despite your sin, that you know him? That is a question. And when you do sin, do you experience the discipline of the Father? When you sin and know Christ, that is the truth. God will bring you to show that sin to him, and he will grow you through that. Let's end with Psalm 37. The steps of a good man are ordered, established by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Friend, are you here today? And you're a Christian. You are secure in him, and you are forever secure in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Father, I thank you that it's your power, it's your everything that holds us in salvation. Father, I thank you for the the message that we can remember that you are the author, the perfecter, and the finisher. As it said at the end of June, before all time you had all this, now and forevermore. There's not one milli nanosecond. You are not in control of our salvation. Father, for any Christians struggling today, the struggle is real, as the phrase goes. But Father, I pray that your spirit, through counsel of God's word, through other Christians, that you, uh, you would draw them to the place they see and are confident in you. Father, again, for those potato chip type Christians who have a lot of oomph, but there's nothing behind, there's no foundation, they may not know Christ. Father, would you show them Christ this morning? Father, we love you so much in that, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.